0: Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, verses 17, verses 1 to 9. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This too is the word of the Lord.
1: The Lord be with you. The Hebrew scriptures speak of a God made known to generations of people. Made manifest, just like we sung, in wind and fire, clouds and smoke. Visiting angelic strangers, bright lights, burning bushes, sometimes pure, uncut Holiness, the kind that will melt your face right off. Sometimes crushed silence in the desert, or a voice in a whirlwind. Sometimes it was a deadly, serious, hazardous work environment in the dangerous presence behind the holy of holies. But when God decided to be a God-with-us God... when the creator joined the company of his creatures and became a human being, it was a whole other thing. The one who made everything decided to really, really take this being a person thing seriously. God joined our embodied existence with all of its littleness, its limitations, and its hassles. The petty, petty grime And the toil and the effort of being a human being. Infancy and childhood. Growing pains. Walking to school. Having family and friends. Having a hometown and an address. And a local synagogue. Sometimes he got to be the subject of gossip and scorn. That's Mary's kid, right? Jesus of Nazareth. Cooking and eating with his friends, working a trade, walking city streets, walking long roads, sometimes in the wilderness, sometimes on the seashore. He chose the path and vocation of a Jewish rabbi, reading, teaching, studying, infuriating sometimes. I think funny a lot of the time, grieving, laughing, weary, trembling. Like I said, Jesus really, really takes this whole being a person thing seriously. As the gospel writers share the story of these down-to-earth moments, they are peppered and punctuated with glimpses of occasional amazing demonstrations, signs and miracles pointing to the concealed reality that Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus the Christ the son of god the savior of the world see the thing is the one who is in it with us knows our situation and lives our reality also happens to be the one who is here to save us matthew chapter 17 the passage we just read starts with a hike into the high mountains And this wasn't the first time Jesus had arranged a time of retreat for him and his friends. A little bit of space to recuperate and get away from it all. To get away from that grit and grime of miles on the road and the press of the crowds. So many lessons falling on deaf ears. Disciples who just don't seem to get it. The relentless badgering of religious folks. Pharisees demanding a sign from him, the cries and the pleas of so many troubled and confused people. Some were locals, some were foreigners, citizens, slaves, and occupying soldiers. Men and women with so many ailments and injuries, all in need of help and healing. And of course, a heavy, heavy burden the weight of the knowledge of the hard road that Jesus had ahead of him. Jesus and his disciples were fresh off the road. They had just spent time in deep, hostile territory, a place called Caesarea Philippi, an ancient and fascinating pagan site famously believed to be the actual entrance to hell, a place of rituals and celebrations, orgies in celebration of gods like Baal and Pan. This is a strange place where, if you remember, Jesus honored Peter for recognizing him as the Christ. Jesus tells him, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You may also remember, though, that it was not all A-plus marks for Peter. Because only a few verses later, with the very best of intentions, Peter tries to talk Jesus out of this unthinkable path he keeps talking about. This path of suffering and death. Get these crazy ideas out of your head, Jesus. Jesus. This same man who would be the foundation of the church, the keeper of the keys of the kingdom, was scolded, Get behind me, Satan. Even six days later, I think Peter was still smarting. Jesus and his three closest friends, James, John, and Peter, are climbing a mountain. Now the Gospels don't tell us the name of the mountain where the miracle of the transfiguration took place. But traditionally speaking, there are two main contenders. Contender number one is Mount Tabor. It's an isolated bump surrounded by flat land. It's a bit of a geological oddity southwest of the Sea of Galilee. And just in case, this is the place someone did think to build a fourth century church called the Church of the Transfiguration. If you look at a map, though, you're looking at a minimum 90-kilometer hike from Caesarea Philippi. Maybe doable in six days, but likely? I don't know. The other main candidate is a mountain right in the neighborhood. A mountain called Mount Hermon. The highest point of a vast volcanic plateau. Today it's known as the Golan Heights a snowy and windswept place. Mount Hermon has long been an important landmark and remains a strategic military site and contested territory to this very day. This was the sacred mountain of the Canaanite people, named in Hebrew scriptures and poetry a place of wilderness and wonder and holy awe. Mount Hermon also happens to be a really, really high place, Over 2,000 meters, it's the highest place in all of Israel. And Mount Hermon is a long climb. I vote Mount Hermon, personally. In this stark place of windswept prayer with so much weighing on his heart, Jesus took his dearest friends. He led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. For just a moment, the fabric of reality is torn open before them. After so many decidedly human moments, with their amazing friend, Jesus of Nazareth, these three friends catch a burning glimpse of eternity. Christ in glory shining like the sun. They catch a brief pink at the peak at the primordial stuff of the universe. As John puts it, the true light who gives life to everyone is shining on a mountain when Moses and Elijah are right there in his corner. Israel's heaviest hitters If Jesus walked up this mountain with his friends to recharge his batteries and feed his soul, this is heaven's response, pulling out all the stops, sending in the 18, with 100 million watts of dazzling radiance. And that's when Peter, the foundation of the church and holder of the keys of the kingdom, pipes in with plans for a building project. I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Over the years, Peter has taken a lot of flack for this. He's taken a lot of flack throughout the Gospels, actually, for what we could call the speak first, think later strategy that some of us think is still pretty useful now and then. I can say that some of us are verbal processors, and Peter was definitely one of them. There's been plenty of speculation, though. What sort of mistake is Peter making? What sort of blunder? Is he trying to preserve a holy moment? Is he going to open a theme park? Maybe. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus won't need to suffer and die if he's revealed in this way. Maybe Jesus and Moses and Elijah show could be a thing. But if you look at that landscape, and I recommend going and checking out the Google Street view of Mount Hermon, considering the wind and the cold and the altitude, maybe some shelter was just a quick bit of hospitality. Now, we might have learned a little more about Peter's plans. We don't get to hear anymore. Because, in a very rare occurrence in history, Peter gets interrupted by a dark cloud. And a booming voice from heaven. God doesn't let Peter finish talking. Because he says, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. They have just witnessed their best friend shining like the sun. And the heroes from their Saturday school class standing alive before them. But this voice from heaven terrifies the disciples. And they fall on the ground in fear. And here's the really great part. And Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. Do not be afraid. And suddenly, this astonishing, miraculous, radiant moment is over. The two holy prophets disappear, and their friend, Jesus of Nazareth, is once again standing with them, reaching out to comfort and assure them. Now the voice... In the cloud, to tell them, listen to him. And what is the first thing that Jesus says? Do not be afraid. If I could summarize everything I ever needed to hear, everything we ever needed to hear from the one who made us, it could be found in those four words do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then Jesus and his friends walked back down the mountain, back into the mess and the crush of the crowd. Just like us, as we're sent out here each day, we are so often joining a human race that is overwhelmed, sometimes staggeringly so, confronted with such Enormous global problems plagued by such cruel and brutal private anxieties and fears. The way ahead on the human road is wrought with a multitude of challenges. And the church in this world is strained by expectations, plagued by disappointments. So often the road ahead is terrifying. And we find ourselves face down on the ground in fear. Now, most of you have probably heard your fair share of sermons in your life, and I'm sure you're well acquainted with the twist that comes about the two thirds part. It's the so now what bit. The part that pushes you out the door. Well, it has designs to encourage and inspire you, move you to find purpose. How might you serve this week? Where will you go? What will you do? What is the little corner of the world? you've been called to shine your light you lighty people lend flavor to a bland word you salty savory folks name the sacred feed the hungry share your wealth give your time make space and these are all worthy efforts this is after all the path we are called to and i'm sure you will have many many days to put them into practice. I'm sure you will hear many, many other sermons to be challenged and inspired. But before we head back down the mountain into the mess of this world, into the deep places of our own hearts, in the face of so many challenges and troubles, may we simply take time to hear and absorb and live those four words Four words from the one who really, really takes this whole being a person thing seriously. The one who tells us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Amen.